You now tuned in to the Gunk Town Podcast. I'm your boy Doug B. We ain't got nothing to talk about, but we got something to talk about. Let's go. Good people, good people, good people. Welcome back to the Gunk Town Podcast, episode 92. I'm your boy Doug B. If you tuned in to this podcast, thank you for your time and your attention. I really appreciate you giving this podcast a shot. Today's guest, he's a country music recording artist. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'm sure we'll all be inspired by his story. Let's chop it up with Canyon Ogle. Canyon, how's it going, man? I'm going good. How are you? All is well on my end, too, man. First things first, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to chop it up with me a few minutes. I really appreciate it. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. No problem. No problem. I appreciate you letting me be on. Yes, sir. Of course, here to talk about your music career and all the great things you have going on with it. But before we talk about the music, let's get to know the man behind the music. What's your story? Well, I'm actually from a small town called Sylacauga. Uh, It's a little bit uh, north from Montgomery, northeast kind of maybe. But uh, I grew up, wasn't really the best situation growing up, but you know, everybody's got to come from somewhere. So we all grew from that and grew from the, where I was raised up and coming up in and uh, just drove a different path line down the way. And I found that music was a huge drive for me and it was something that kept me inspired. Like I've always been inspired by different musical artists. And so that's kind of where I decided to take the turn towards music, but other than like my music, I'm just really just a small town dude from Sylacauga. I like to hunt, like to fish, hanging out with my friends and stuff on the weekends, do a little bit of mud riding and just hanging out. And really that's, I'm pretty simple guy to get along with, you know, love to hear from like my fans and stuff when they text or whatever. I really think that going into music has opened up a lot of doors for me and has helped me to inspire a lot of the younger generation also. Yes, sir. Great story, man. I appreciate you sharing that coming from a small time Silicago and, and even hearing you just talking about your circumstances weren't the most favorable, but you made the most out of those circumstances. And that's really what life is all about, pivoting and making adjustments because life throw curveballs at us from the time we're born to the time we go on the ground. So it's all about yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Being able to pivot, make those adjustments. So um, just in terms of, I'm assuming you went to high school, you finished high school in Chicago. Did you do any college, any military after high school or did you go right into music? <laughs> well, I went to B.B. Comer right here in Chicago, and uh, I went there all the way from fifth grade to 11th grade. And then I dropped out of school, actually. Um, and I went a couple years just doing my own thing, doing like little cover shows here and there and uh, like whenever they would do the open mic nights at different places I would go and just you know show my face do a song or two and um, then after that like I kind of I went back to school and I'd done an online course and got my high school diploma and I've actually joined Alabama Fire College I'm going into further my career into being a firefighter also on top of doing my music. I got me a little backup plan, you know, just in case 
anything could happen with social media or music. You know, that's not always going to be there, but you got to have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Much respect to you, man, for, like you said, you, you dropped out, but you went back and you finished. And the most important thing is you finished. Everybody's journey is different. No judgment from me here. Hats off to you for going to school to be a firefighter, wanting to serve your community. So just in terms, so basically you just have a, a knack for serving people. You serve people with, with the music, and now you're about to be serving the community with the fire department. That's good stuff, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've actually been on uh, a few volunteer departments um, and done some different things in both departments that I was with. And I actually uh, try to volunteer as much as I can in the community. We actually got like a like a safe haven type group that just opened up in the, our community in Sylacauga that is like a like a guidance like kind of like a guidance for the younger generation. They can come in and open up to us and we're going to take the younger kids like on camping trips and take them to like do different things Like we got a summer trip planned for them too. um, that we're thinking like taking some kids to the beach and just getting them in the town that we're in. There's not very much to do. So all these kids are just out getting in trouble and doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And it's winding them up either in jail or gone, you know, and it's really it's going to I feel like it's going to open up a lot of doors for the younger generation, because really, there's not troubled children. There's just misunderstood kids that need some guidance. And at one point in time, I was one of those misunderstood kids that came from uh, a troubled background, but still had to build myself and guide my own way through to make something out of nothing. For sure. And that's just and that's, it's just a. Um it's commendable that you're taking, you, you've taken your pain and you turned it into purpose. Cause you could have easily turned cold and said, forget the world. I went through this, right. I went through that. I'm not giving back to anything, but the fact that you're taking your pain and now you're guiding the younger generation and say, Hey, I went this route. So you don't have to go that route. Right. Hey, right. Move this way, move that way. And that's what it's, and that's great, man. And like I said, it could have went the other way and you would have been well within your right to be cold hearted. But, the fact right. that you're willing to give back and pour it to the community, that's good stuff, man. So let's pivot. There's always a there's always a window, man. There's always a good window that anybody can take. It's just are you gonna open it or can somebody else help you open the doors and windows that you need to access to better yourself and better your life? Right, right. And just you willing to be that person to to open up yourself, open up give you time, which is the most valuable commodity. We never get that back. The fact, the fact that you're volunteering, you're giving back to the community. You're very commendable, man, turning that pain into purpose. That's dope. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So let's talk about your music career, just in terms of your musical background. Do you come from a musically inclined family? Uh, well, my, uh, my dad and my mom, they can both sing, but they never really got out into music and done anything musically. My dad... Um, he done some like at the church. He was like the church, uh, the uh, band director over the church. And like they got together and they wrote a few different songs and like they turned like some classical rock songs into like a classical rock style Christian song. And so I guess that's kind of a musically inclined, uh, musical inclinement. I guess that's kind of where I get my songwriting skills and uh, my singing skills from because both of them can sing pretty good but they just never really done anything with it other than my dad like doing the the church thing with his and like he don't do that now anymore and it like neither one of them have ever had any drive to do music 
So once I like started singing and I had people around me saying, Hey dude, you can sing. You need to try this. You need to do this. Like try out for American Idol, try out for the voice. I was like, you know, music's something that I do want to do, but I don't want to go about it that route. I want to be an independent artist and I just want to drive through and I just want to do it. And so that's why I put my mind to it and I'm trying to actually pursue some dreams out of it. Yes, sir. You said the key word, independent artist. So you're thinking ownership. You're thinking charting your own path. And nothing wrong with that, man, because when you do it that way, you get to call the shots once your music do take off. You get to say, you get to have the final say-so. Like, I I know major labels and things of that nature. I know a lot of artists like to go the major label route. I respect the route you're going. It's going to take a little longer, but once you get there, you'll get the larger percentage and you'll be able to call the shots. Ownership. Right, and then I can look back and I can be like, yeah, you know, I've had you know, this person, this person, and this person helped me along the way. But in the end, we all done this together. Mm-hmm. Instead of having like mainstream artists, they're like, they done it. They are the ones that put out the songs. They're the ones that did it. But they all, they got like somebody else doing it for them. Mm-hmm. You know, like somebody <laughs> else is writing their music. Somebody else is getting it, getting down to it and doing everything for them. And I just feel like with mainstream, with mainstream artists, it gets you up there faster and gets your name out faster, but you lo- you lose a lot of your creative control too. Like there's certain artists that I know personally that have signed over and went and they're like, Whoa, this ain't what I thought it was going to be. Like I thought I was still going to be in control of what I wrote, but really they got somebody else doing it for them. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, uh, I don't know anyone personally that's been in the mainstream, but of course, you know, uh, just some of the people we grew up listening to and just hearing them years later talk about, man, I sold a million records for this label, but I was only making, I wasn't even a millionaire. So it's right. It's great that you're, you're taking the lessons of the past and the people that you know personally and you're applying them in your own music career. So I want to talk about your EP, Hank It. I want to talk about the creative process behind it. How long did it take you to record the entire project? Um. Well, I... Um... Moonlight, the first song on the album or the EP, um, it came out back, I believe, November. Um, yeah, I think it was November 17th it came out. And I wrote it about my wife. Um, there was a lot of different thought process into it, into it. And like that that song's like a whole journey from the time we met to the time we got married and had our son. Um, and then the rest of the EP... Me and my buddy Taylor Campbell, he lives out of Alabaster, Alabama. He's an artist, too. Um, we started working together on a few different things. Um, and actually, he's the one that actually got me into the studio where I'm at now with Connor and Easton and all of them over in Dalton, Georgia. And he actually put me on them first with a song called Bama Boy that he wrote and put me on the hook. And then I done Moonlight. And then after after Moonlight, we went back in this past January and we was like straight to it, go get her done, got it type thing. And we ended up recording um, the other four songs for my EP, like from scratch. Connor makes all of every he plays all the instrumental, like everything. We create the beats on site on like on site all together. And we done 18 songs in two days with Connor. We done 18 in two days. And that was all the ones on Taylor's album and a few more that he needed to do and my five for the Hankin EP. 
Wow, man, y'all got right to it. So y'all have some great synergy. Y'all were able to get in the studio and knock out 18 songs in two days. So were the were majority of those songs like one take? Like straight uh, Yeah, most of them we just – some of them took like a little bit longer than the other ones to get down because, of course, you know, when you're recording, you'll skip over a word or two and be like, hold on, go back, I want to rerun that. Mm-hmm. But in all, we was probably studio time all together – we done uh, once we got to Dalton. Uh, the day that we got there, we was in there that whole evening, and then the next day we were in there, and then half of the next day we were in there, and so that we and that was flip flopping. Like I would do a song, Taylor would do a song, I would do a song, Taylor would do a song, and then I knocked out my last two, and then we knocked out the rest of Taylor's. But uh, I'd say each song we probably did and at least one or two cuts okay sounds good man yeah hey but 18 songs in two days is not a small feat hats off to you all for getting in there and getting it done knocking it out so the moonlight song that you wrote about your wife just i'm i'm intrigued to know how long did it take you to write that uh well i put a lot of time into that one um and all it probably took me maybe a month to write the song because i wanted to make sure like it was perfect down to like exactly how i wanted the melody to sound like i just wanted it to be like the perfect song like when it came out for her to hear like her cousin actually helped me come up with like the guitar strings like the the strings for the song and she came over one day and i was like all right this is how i want the song to sound and she was like okay well let me go get my guitar from home i'll be right back and she came back down and then within 10 minutes we had the melody down and was like set for that song and then when we went in last november over to dalton i got it recorded and showed him the video i showed connor the video of jessica playing the melody uh, on her guitar and he was like okay yeah I, I got an idea and then we just threw it together and it was like it was just a perfect the way he made the beat and the way he done the instrumentals and then the way the vocals and all sounded it was just perfect on like spot on point so it all worked out and all that was probably uh maybe two three month process getting that one between wrote and recorded okay understood you had to make sure you got it right make sure it sounded the way you wanted it to sound so what was her reaction when she heard the song the first time uh she actually uh actually had part in helping me like with the writing process um because i talked it over with her like hey look that i'm writing this song for you this is what i want in it how do you think i should word this and so she actually helped me some with the writing process so as soon as it was like done and we got the chorus ready, she was actually there as we was recording it and everything. She was in studio when it was recorded. You're a smart man. You got her input to make sure the song had the right words in there. I respect that, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I even took her to the studio. I was like, hey, look, you going with me now. You know, <laughs> make sure this sounds right. This is what you want now, right? <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. That's great, man. That's good stuff, man. And I uh, appreciate you sharing that. So just in terms of your time as a recording artist, have you had a chance to do any live shows? Um, whenever, like before, since I've, before I started actually recording my music, I used to do like cover shows and stuff. Like I said, and I'd go to open mic nights or uh, just wherever was having karaoke and I'd do something there. But since I've started recording, I've done, um, I've done a show up at Bandits here in Sylacauga. It was my debut show after starting to record. 
And after that show, I've done like one more like personal show. And I've had like just a couple people like that I knew personally come up and like basically like a practice run show. And I like live streamed it and stuff like that. But it wasn't like a like a venue or anything. So let's talk about your debut debut show at Bandits. What was what were your feelings going into it and how did it turn out? Well, I'll be honest, I was super nervous at first. Um, and I got there and when I got there, I thought I had my right equipment that I needed for their hookups and stuff, but none of my stuff was right. So it was like a huge like scramble for a minute and I was like super nervous. I was like, oh no, I'm not gonna be able to do this. Like I don't have my right equipment. And this uh, this guy named Matt Chappelle, he was there and he's an artist too here. And I have never met him until this night. And he noticed that I, you know, I was scrambling around and I was worried about what was going on and like I was really nervous. So he um, he kind of guided me through and he went to his house and got his stuff and brought it down to me. And it was just like a like a single show. Like it was just me. I didn't have like a band or anything. So he went and got his mic and stuff like that that I could use. And he helped me out with that. And I was still nervous when I got on stage. So I was looking, you know, trying to distract myself. I was like, hmm, what can I distract myself with? And I glanced up. And when I looked up, it was the Alabama basketball game on TV. And so I just like, I watched the game and I performed the show. And the service was kind of shoddy at first. So at my backing tracks wasn't loading fast. So I ended up getting on to the, they ended up letting me get on the Wi-Fi and everything started loading up better. And the show actually turned out really good. Um, I'm going to actually be getting back in touch with them soon and hopefully doing another show there. Man, that's great, man. I appreciate you sharing that story. That Just hearing the adversities you ever came in your first experience, your first live performance, commend you for that because you could have easily folded and say, hey, man, I'm going home. Like my stuff right. is working. But you stuck in. You persevered, you utilized the resources that were around you, you figured out how to solve that problem, you rocked the show, you found the basketball game on TV, and you made it happen. And you know, the most important thing is, is just to always remember how you overcame that. If you ever get in a situation in your career where you doubting yourself, remember that first performance, man. Like, that's the great thing about life and overcoming things. You can always go back to those moments when you get in other moments of uncertainty, man. So respect to you for overcoming that. Yeah, I was super nervous that day too. Cause when I got there, I was like, oh no, none of my stuff works. And I looked at my wife, I was like, are we gonna be able to do this? And I was like, I mean, if all else fails, this is a huge crowd. Like, I don't think I can make everybody be quiet, but I can sing for the ones that hear me. <laughs> right, right. So it was never a thought in your mind that you weren't gonna put on a show. Like you were gonna no, make it happen somewhere somehow. Some way, somehow, I was doing it anyway. Like, even if I had to, like, hey, guys, look, I don't have my mic. Like, I don't have a setup, but here I am. I'm going to do the best that I can. Like, in my mind, I was like, I've, I've already told these people I'm coming, I'm performing. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm keeping my word to perform regardless of what happens. Keeping your word, man. Integrity. That's what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, integrity will take you places. Man, it's it's amazing. It's one of those things that one of those things that um, I'm not gonna say uh, people overlook, but they don't understand how powerful it, it is to just keep your word. So now, when you get ready to do another show with that venue, they know that you're a man of your word. So you say, "Hey, I want to come perform 
they're going to say yes without hesitation. So it's great that you stuck in. You made it happen, man. And that's good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I really appreciate them letting me come out that night. And even after, like, all the trouble we had to go through, like, I'm I'm really thankful for Matt that night. Like, that was the first time I had ever met him. And he's a really genuine guy. I actually went out um, two weeks after that, and he was playing a show in the same place. And so I went and watched him perform. And he's a good – he's a really good artist, too. Like, his little – his band's pretty good, too. So, really genuine guy. I liked him. He was a good dude. He helped me out a lot that night. Yes, sir, man. Great experience, lessons learned. So just in terms of whenever I have creators on the platform like yourself, I like to talk about three things, the aha moment, action, and audacity. So pretty much music just being something that, music being your gift. So when did you discover that you had, at what age did you discover, what was your aha moment when you discovered you had a gift of music? Well, I was young. I was probably... I don't know, like five, six years old, maybe. And I used to like run around in my underwear with my boots on and just be singing like Tim McGraw songs and stuff and just random country songs. I used to stand on this, uh, on like this little egg box, like the old wooden egg boxes. And I'd stand on one of them with a little toy guitar acting like I was playing little strings and stuff. And I just sing. And then as I grew, I think I was like, I'd say between 12 and 14, um, I used to, like, I was still into singing. I still done a lot of singing. And my mom recorded me singing this song. It was uh, some Justin Bieber song, actually. It wasn't even a country song. It was, um, what's the name of it? That Should Be Me by Justin Bieber. And I used to like that song. Like, I used to like to sing that song. I thought my voice was good with it. And my grandma she's passed away now she passed away in 2014 so yeah 2014 she passed away or 16 she passed away and um she actually like took my mom's phone one day and like took it to work with her and showed everybody at her job that video and my mom was like she really took my phone and left me phoneless all day to go show this video to everybody at her job so I thought that's that's another thing that hit me. Like when she passed, I was like, that's this is something that I got to carry on because it's something that she liked to hear me do. She loved to hear me sing. And she, I, I just that replays in my mind a lot, especially like when I'm writing music or thinking about doing shows or something. I'm like, you know, this is what Mama liked to hear me do. Like she literally showed this video to her whole job just because it was something that she enjoyed. So it, it just that's kind of a flashback moment for me that helps me keep moving forward too at the same time man that's great man so from a kid five years old singing around running around in the underwear singing to the top of your lungs having that passion without a care in the world that's, that's great man and um rest in and peace. actually actually my mom when we <laughs> lived over at her old house they actually just recently moved from there but i was probably I was driving already, so I was like 15, 16 years old. I'd go outside and I'd put my phone on and I'd have my music going and my headphones in and I'd just be walking around in the yard singing like a whole performance, like putting on <laughs> my own little show outside in the yard. The whole the whole neighborhood could hear me. That's amazing, man. Just a kid enjoying life and not caught up in this thing called reality, man. You just in your imagination and in your mind, you were singing to a crowd of 10,000 people. And it's right, great. right. 
<laughs> and it's great to just be a kid and be tapped into that, man. But of course, as we get older, life starts happening. And we have to face reality, but appreciate you sharing that here a bit. And also, I just want to say rest in peace to your grandmother. And that's great that you think of her when you're singing and that's what keeps you going. And again, as just like earlier with your first first performance, just those memories, just those times. So now you can always, whenever you get stuck in your career, you get stuck singing a song or you get frustrated, just think about Granny when she played that song for her coworkers, man. That's good stuff. All right. <laughs> yes, sir. So Yeah, I think this I thought it was crazy. Like she just <laughs> took the phone and was like, I'm taking this to work with me today. You know, and I was like, Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that's hey, and you know, that's the um uh, that's the beauty of our elders, man. They're just so innocent and especially grandma. It's something my grandmas love. They just you can oh, do yeah. no wrong with grandma, man. <laughs> yeah, grandma's eyes, you the baby. Don't you didn't do nothing wrong. Even if you did the worst, I really feel like you could do some of the worst things and grandma's gonna be like, Oh, he didn't do that. For sure. <laughs> For sure. So ultimately you you get started in music and you get rocking and rolling. So just in terms of having that courage, that audacity to actually start a recording career. I know Granny was a big source of giving you that courage, that audacity. Were there anyone else who helped give you that courage, that audacity to go for it? Well, just really all my peers around me, like whenever we'd go somewhere, we'd be somewhere and somebody would be like, hey, does anybody know somebody that can sing? Everybody's like, I do, can you get up here? I'm like, whoa, look, I, this ain't me. Like I used to be real nervous singing in front of crowds and that everybody be like, no, just get up there, get on stage. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Uh, a lot of my friends, even high school friends that I don't speak to anymore. Like they even got a lot of push and like behind what I do now. But another one of my, like my main like source of like who pushes me the most really is the same. Like my wife, my son, which he's not but two, and he don't really understand like how much he really drives me to want to be successful, but I do. And he pushes me, all my like close friends and relatives, like they push me to be the best that I can be. And they won't be, they all are like, hey, that's your dream, pursue it, go for it, chase it, because it's not going to chase you, you know? Yes, sir. That's what it's all about. And honestly, it just reminds me always, man, even when we're, Kids, you know, you heard the phrase, it takes a village. It takes a village when you're a kid. And even when you become right. an adult, it takes the right village around you, pushing you. Because left to our own devices, Canyon, we'll stay comfortable. We won't step out. But hats off to your friends who saying, hey, man, go sing. Because left up to you, you'd be like, nah, I'm not going to do it. But your friends are there. They saw that potential in you long before you may have even recognized it within yourself, man. So it definitely takes a village in all stages of life. Yeah, it does. It really does. Because... I say family and friends is probably one of the most important things that you can have in life. Because like you said, if you ain't got friends or you ain't got family to push you and make you drive to do what you want to do, then like you said, you're just going to sit in a box. Like you got to think outside the box and you got to have somebody there that's going to push you out of the box. If you want to back up, you want to sit down. They got to be like, no, stand up. Yes, sir. No doubt. For sure. So you've done, you've, you've released the EP, Hank it. You've done, good things in your career, great things in your music career, because the fact that you got started, that's great in my opinion. And I know great things are coming down the pipeline. Let's talk about vision. What are your short-term and long-term goals for your music career? Well, starting short-term. Short-term, what I really want to do is get more local gigs, get um, 
more get around like more songwriters. Like I'm I'm friends with a lot of musicians and songwriters, but I need like more of that drive too. Like I need more songwriters around to help me push with different ideas. Because I like if you go and you listen to the Hankett EP, it's not just country, it's not just rock, and it's not just like country rap. It's like a little bit of everything, and I'm super stoked about like the country rock style. I like it a lot. Um, Hardy um, is actually one of my big music inspirations right now, and he's a country artist, but he does a lot of country rock. So, short term goals: I want to get more songs wrote. I got ten wrote now, and I'm planning um, another five song EP here soon, and I'm gonna do the other five songs. Instead of doing a 10-song album, I'm going to do the five-song EP and then have just five vaulted away that I can just disperse of at random times. Long-term goals, I want to get bigger venues booked, um, such as like the Tin Roof in Birmingham. I'm not trying to go like all out with like BJCC. I'm not that big. But like the Tin Roof in Birmingham, um, uh, like not real small venues, but not like huge venues either. Um Definitely want to get not just myself promoted more long term or short term, but me, Taylor, Easton and Connor, we're all like on the same label. It's actually Connor's label out of Georgia, um, Connor Priest Records. We're all on it. And we all record over there. And I really want all three of us to drive together because like they're a big part of who got me into music. So even if I get big long term i'm not leaving them behind for sure and those are some great short-term and long-term goals and i have no doubt man if you keep at it you'll make them all come to fruition that's the goal that's the goal i'm really hoping especially short-term goals those are the ones that you got to step to first so taking it outside the box onto my short-term goals i really like the reason I want to link with other songwriters is because everybody's got different visions and everybody's got different ideas. So if I was to pitch, it's if I was to pitch an idea to somebody else and they're like, okay, well, let's switch it up this way and pitch me the same idea, but a different way. I may like that better than something that somebody else has already told me that I'm already friends with. I need more people like outside of the circle here. That's songwriters that can throw me different ideas because mainly my circle, we all think different, but we're all like, we all think the same. We're all together, like a group. Like, that's just how we work. Okay. Yes, sir. Good stuff, man. So as we wrap up the podcast, I want to ask a million dollar question. I started this podcast to highlight the greatness of Montgomery and any and everybody connected to Montgomery, whether you were born here, lived here for a significant period of your life. You being a musical artist, I'm curious to know, what musical influences out of Montgomery have been instrumental in your career? Well, the uh, obvious, you know, the biggest one, Hank, junior and senior. Mm -hmm. um, junior wasn't really as much in Montgomery as senior was. But um, Hank senior, I go back and I listen to a lot of his music. And I'm like, you know, a lot of this I can relate to. Not just like some of his music. He's like a sad man for real. Like I feel like his soul was like not really what you would say lost, but he was, he was a misunderstood person. Mm -hmm. And that's why he done the things he did. And that's why he drank the way he did and done the things that he done because he was misunderstood. Yeah. He was big. Yeah. He was a huge artist, but he was also misunderstood. And that's what 
at 29 years old, that's what killed him, you know, drink, you know, the drinking and just not really knowing which direction to be led into. And I don't think that he really had the guidance that he needed as an, like, not just as a kid, you know, him growing up, he had a rough life, but as a, as a adult and having the money that he had, I don't think that he had the guidance to keep him from straying off. And I feel like I was on that path. You know, I felt like I strayed a little bit to the left as a kid, like not necessarily doing anything like wrong, but like the lifestyle I grew up around was straight off. And I felt like me coming back on and me being like, I can be an inspiration to somebody else that's off the path, like musician or not. And Hank Williams, he gave me that inspiration. Like, because even as a, even as like a depressed, misunderstood guy, he still tried to give everybody else a, a solid drive forward. And that's what I want to do. Like, not that I'm a sad guy or anything, but I would just want to help everybody be able to boost their confidence and boost their self forward. Wow. And actually, um, here soon, the Hankett music video will actually be being made. And Montgomery is going to have a huge part in that video. I'm wanting to get down, um, down there where Hank's first home was. Um, I want to do like a like a scene right there. It's actually a museum now. The Hank Williams Museum is down there. And that's actually where he grew up. And as a kid, he used to stand on that street corner there and shine shoes and sell peanuts. So I want to get there and have like maybe like a little kid doing like a scene, shining some shoes out, selling peanuts and like an older guy walk up to him, you know, as like portraying older Hank speaking to younger Hank and telling him like some inspirational quote while he's getting his shoes shined and then leaving out and then the music starting and just doing a couple of different scenes in different places in Montgomery like his grave and his childhood home and the uh, Montgomery the Montgomery Municipal Complex used to be he actually played one of his last shows there so I want to get there and do a little like a little scene there too. Wow, man, that's powerful, man. Just in terms of that influence that Hank Senior has had in your career and just how you're able to relate to him. And that's that's really great, man. I appreciate you sharing that. So Canyon, how can the people connect with you? What are your social media handles? Um, I actually have a Instagram. It is a uh, Canyon Ogle Music Official. I have TikTok, which is uh Canyon Ogle Music. I have my Facebook, which is just Canyon Ogle. That's my like personal Facebook. And then my music Facebook is the Canyon Ogle music account. And I also, I don't really do a whole lot of my promotion on there, but I also have a Snapchat and it's uh, canman underscore 23. Yes, sir. And of course, I'll put all of that information in the description of the episode. Hey, Canyon, thanks again for the conversation, man. I really appreciate you. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on today. It's uh, It's been great being on. If you ever need anybody else to talk to, I got a few other musical artists I can send your way or authors or whatever, like whatever your main you know push is, I can definitely uh, promote you out some more too. So that's, that's what I'm going to start doing is promoting you out some more too. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Good people. That concludes another dope episode of the Gumtown Podcast. In the meantime, in between time, y'all know what to do. Be blessed, be safe, but most importantly, have the audacity to be you. Gone.
Thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate your time and your attention. Until next time.